from a galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine. And everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Right, it's Thursday night, and you know what that means. It's time for some Legends Look Back. And I've got to admit, I'm pretty excited for some stuff that's going on over here at Utini. Uh, I'm interested, Freddie, what you think about this. I don't know how much we've talked about this. It's just one of these things that's been uh, happening behind closed doors and the Slack teams and the Coda sh- spreadsheets and uh, the brainstorming meetings. But uh, we got a new live show coming to Utini. Yeah. Um, over here, now that we've made the transition to YouTube, uh, I almost said over at Twitch, but... No, we don't, we don't talk about Twitch anymore. <laughs> Unless you still have bits, in which case, I think you could probably still give them to us. We'll take those bits. Always and forever. Um, what do you think, Freddie? Are you excited for the Cosmic Force? I'm very excited. I know I've been part of, of a lot of the stuff. As you can see here, I am very much a comic aficionado, as they say. But uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what they what they come up with. And, and you know, I love I love Star Wars content. And the, the more that we give out, the better, because I'm, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's like on the one hand, we're approaching this as part of the team. We're a family here at Utini, and it's it's a family that's always getting bigger as we bring on new team members. Every now and then we lose somebody. Not not to death. I know I did this, but I don't actually mean like they die. I uh, may edit that out. Uh, anyway, <laughs> every now and then we'll get... Uh, We'll get somebody new, but it doesn't take doesn't take long for somebody to feel like part of the family. So on the one hand, I'm excited for the Cosmic Force as as part of the family. It's like it's like watching your your um, your kid go off to college, starting their own <laughs> live show. <laughs> I don't know what my analogy is here, but uh, start watching the test stream we had going on yesterday and just kind of make sure that they you know had a, a good dry run, the dress rehearsal. I started watching it just because I was curious. I was like, I wonder how this is going to go. Um, I didn't want them to feel too much pressure from, like, you know, the dad of Legends Look Back, um, you know, looking over their shoulder after having had, uh, what, 40, 40-something episodes of practice at this. But then I kept watching for the next hour just because I loved it. I loved it. And it's a fun feeling, isn't it, um, when somebody that you love and care about has has made something that, that you like, not just as a supporter, but as a fan. You know what I mean? Yeah, what I really like um, about it, right, is is we only have so much time in the day to dedicate to Star Wars, and I've decided my my love is Legends, and the fact that this Cosmic Force will eventually cover Legends stuff is fantastic because I, I can't wait to see what they're gonna say, um, and and we've only got so much time in the day, so someone's got to do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. One of the things that uh, I was I was you know saying to them on the the front end was like, listen. We've got our own live show. There's no way I can... I want to be on this show. I'm excited about talking about comics. I keep up with, you know, most all the canon comics. I'm like, I don't know, a few issues behind every now and then. I wait for those Marvel buy one, get ones, and then I catch up on like two or three months because <laughs> I'm, I'm cheap like that. Um, it's the redneck in me. You can't, you can't put a good redneck down. Um, I won't ever pay full price or anything if I can, if I can at all help it. But you know, it got to a point where I was like, all right, I, I don't think I'm going to be on the show. You guys take it, run, run with it, have fun with it. But whenever you guys are ready to talk about Legends comics, Freddie and I are just one Slack message away, and we'll be gotcha. there. Wherever there's a Legends comic, we'll be there. We <laughs> so gotcha. uh, be on the lookout for that. I think that starts in two weeks. Is that right? Um, early to mid-April. We're going to have that coming your way Wednesday nights on, um, on Utini. No, what is it? We got this on YouTube. YouTube and Utini, they're just a little bit similar. 
Every time I, <laughs> I try to spell YouTube, it spells it as Utini. I've used Utini more than YouTube, so there's there that. There you go. <laughs> My browsers can't ever keep up with me. Whenever it thinks that I want to go to YouTube, it's like, yeah, you want some reading collections, don't you? You want some Utini? <laughs> and it, whenever I want Utini, I'm like, I need to know how many books are in the Asajj Ventress collection. It's like, no, no. You want to watch some Pokemon videos on YouTube. <laughs> But you're here on YouTube. This is the show. Let's get this party started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by Utini, a Star Wars books podcast you can listen to while you charge the batteries in your Tamagotchis, where we talk about all things legends, celebrating our rich EU history as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays. Today, I'm joined once again by the legendary, the Freddy How's it going, man? I, I was going somewhere. I was going to try to rhyme legendary with Freddy, but then I realized it's not going to work. I'm good. The legendary Freddy C. The, How are you? The legendary the Freddy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I, I do have to say, though, every time I see a Tamagotchi in a Target, I got to pick it up. I got to do, do you? it. Well, that, uh, that intro was brought to you by none other than our wonderful patron and... Um, I would say frequent guest host. She's been on the show twice, so that makes her just as frequent as any other guest host we've ever had. Um, Cheryl Bell, she came up with that one a couple weeks ago. And uh, after the show last week, she was like, did you use it? Did you use the Tamagotchi? And I was like, no, oh, no, I forgot. And I immediately wrote it. So there it is. It's great. <laughs> I, I remember having something I used to strap on my wrist. It was like the poor man's Tamagotchi. Um, it was like a watch, but it was a dog that would poop. It was bright yellow. You remember these? Poochie Pets, Pet Pooch. I remember buying anyway. some from KFC, Gigapets. <laughs> Gigapets, that was the thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. KFC. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have any idea what we're talking about, you are in the right place. And if you don't, hey, we'll take you anyway. Uh, excited to have you here. Of course, tonight we have a very fun show planned for you. Um, we've got some um, some Legends content. We're, we're trying to bridge the gap from our old audio episodes into the live video. We're going to talk about some of these the classic X-Wing books that we had done in our audio-only episodes. We're going to be trying to get us caught up to speed on those because, hey, we just had a new... Um, uh, a new Alphabet Squadron book released with Victory's Price. And you know what? We've got some fighter pilots in Legends that we can talk about too. Excited for us to uh, get to talking about the first arc of X-Wing books, Michael Stackpole's Rogue Squadron series. It's not a trilogy. Quadrilogy? What do you call a series of four books? I feel like we have this conversation a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time we talk about uh, X-Wing, we always have a conversation of what to really call it. And it's... It's hard to really nail down. It's a 10 series, a quad quadrilogy. Um, uh, it's tough to say. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of everything. And I'm, <laughs> I've got to admit, ashamed, absolutely ashamed. I know Eric's here with us tonight, so apologies to the Living Force crew. When they had me on for the trilogies episode, I didn't mention the Wraith Squadron tri trilogy as one of the best Legends trilogies because I wasn't thinking about it in that terms. Um, of course, the X-Wing books, he, as he mentioned, are 10 books long, but it's divided up into a series of four and then a series of three, and then, what, three or four more standalones. <laughs> yeah. Th yeah, three more yeah. standalones that kind of tie in, but they're kind of their own. So the Wraith Squadron books, there's three of them, makes it a Wraith Squadron trilogy, even though they're never marketed as such. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it should have gone in the episode, so now here's the apology. My official statement is this. They're good. All right, they should have made it. Um, do want, however, to introduce our other guest before we get into the meat of the show, and that is our producer. She's here, she's great, and she's got floors this time. Meg Dowell, how are you, Meg? I 
am great. I have my office back. So everything it looks glorious. is great. It's so nice. Everything is you good. Get some, you got some new plants back there? I, yes, I have new plants. Are they real? You don't know. I was going <laughs> to ask don't. that. <laughs> you don't know, and I'll never tell you. Oh, my wife is a plant enthusiast. You guys know how I've got like the Star Wars books collection. One of these days, I'll give a tour in the in the Discord channel. Uh, my wife has her own collection of plants. I think we're up to forty five or fifty real plants at this point in the house. At one point, we had a couple in my Star Wars room. I'm pretty sure she either uh, com- commandeered them for her own collection, <laughs> or they died. So I'll leave it up to you. Uh, you can put your best guesses in the Discord channel. Glad to have you here, Meg. I'm especially glad to show um, some of the new acquisitions that I've got, and I'm, I'm anxious to see if you guys have any because I've been on a spending spree. All right, I got my stimmy. First thing I did was hit the bookstore. You know, it's not like I really need more books as much as the the books need me. All right, <laughs> but I didn't just get new books, Freddie. I'm excited yeah. here in our mailbag segment to show off for the first time, maybe ever. I'm not sure. I got a Legends action figure. Now, Freddie, you showed off a couple of episodes ago yeah. that you got, uh, what, the Dark Empire Leia? Yeah, I got the Dark Empire Leia. It, it might have been for you, but it somehow made itself into my collection. <laughs> it, hasn't made it, it hasn't made it to Massachusetts yet. Yeah. Um, it, it might need to get sucked up in a... What's the thing that Luke and Palpatine do? Is it a force storm? Is it a, a, a warp? It's like a, a wormhole, a force wormhole? A uh, force wormhole, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to make one of those, and then you can sh- send it over to me. But I recently picked this up. I always stop by the the Star Wars action figure section of my local comic book shop every time I go in for those New High Republic variants, just to see, just to see if they've got anything that catches my eye. And boy, did they ever! I got the Shadows of the Empire Prince Shizor. That's right, in Ooh. his holographic form. You see that uh, the holographic oh, rainbow man. little card he's got going on over there? Yeah. Be careful. Don't look into his eyes or sniff his pheromones because, <laughs> well, you know, Shizor, he's got those pheromones and uh, they'll mind control you if you're not careful. Um, I, I have not taken him out of the package, though the package isn't in perfect condition. It's a little crinkly, but the purple on here just looks great, That's amazing, it? dude. Wow. I like it. I'm quite proud of it. Um, how about you? You got any new acquisitions? I do, and you can see it right here. I've got the Star Wars Dark Empire, the New Republic what, Legends. What, right in front of Chunky Epic. Pikachu? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's another That's another one. I'm not sure if we should be talking about it. The chunkiest of chews. But the uh, yeah. vivid voltage, chunkiest chew yeah. I've ever seen in my life. But, um, it's so chunky. Them. But yeah. Oh, is it a hardcover? Is it is it is it paperback or hardback? This is this right here. Can you tell? It's like Meg. I'm never gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful. Meg will turn your video off if you say uh, who makes an appearance in that. Is is it is it paperback or hardback? This is I a paperback. Yeah. Give it a flick. I want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's paperback. Okay, okay. I heard somebody say hardcover, and I was like, hold on. I didn't buy this thing because I've already got a Dark Empire hardcover. You know, the one that my wife mailed to me in Africa. Oh, yeah. And it's like, do I buy another one? I Jury's still out. I probably still could if I wanted to. All right, I got one more. Uh, hold on, it's Meg's turn. You got any new acquisitions other than, you know, you're having your room back? Uh, you know what? That is mine for the week. Yeah, I, that's good. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I'm not done yet, um, but we're back. We're back, and it's good. All, Congratulations. All well. Yes. I'm happy for you. Thank you. My house, however, is not back. We built bunk beds for my kids last oh, I night. I saw that. And we've got stuff, like their clothes are all over the house, because we were like, oh, now we got to move the chest of drawers. And the kids were like, oh, yeah. And they just threw the 
clothes everywhere. <laughs> so their toys are strewn all over the stairway. The cat was like, oh, yeah, so much more stuff to play with. I didn't know this was here. So it is an absolute disaster. Um, I do, have, however, have one more thing to show off. I got the hardback of Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader. Now, for some reason, they didn't disclose this when I bought it. It's the short version. It's like min- min- missing an inch of length. Oh man! You know, you got any books like this that are uh, just like yes, it's a, it's a very inexplicably weird, short. I'm not sure what the purpose of it is. Why is it smaller than the rest <laughs> of them? Uh, to keep the amount of pages? I don't know. I think it's because they're the sci- sci-fi book club editions. Oh, it doesn't okay. say that anywhere on here. Anyway, I'm happy to have it. I love it. I'm so excited to reread it. It's been like ten years since I've read this thing. <laughs> I gotta um, say, Eric has got some great great uh, things in there. First of all, he's <laughs> I, I'm falling in love with Jared's new toy. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, your kids threw their clothes everywhere, just like a certain emperor. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, when we do the uh, the roundtable on Dark Empire 2 and we cover the rest of that epic collection, which we're going to get to soon, I'm planning on throwing Palpatine, slimy naked Palpatine, a retirement party. Um, so we are going to see him off into the legend's ether um, as he meets his final demise. Because I think he dies three times, maybe four, in that entire... Yeah epic collection i'll need to recount how many times he dies <laughs> so uh, we're gonna throw palpatine his his final naked retirement party and yep. uh, will we show up clothed absolutely we will don't worry we will but he doesn't have to and it's going to be his last time we're going to retire not only the emperor of legends but also we're going to retire the meme all right it's going into retirement get ready there's going to be cake balloons probably I'm looking forward to it. Freddie, I saw you moving something else around over there. You got one more acquisition for us? No, no, it just keeps falling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, well, I've got some more things, but I'm gonna, I don't want to spoil everything, you know, tonight. It, plus, I don't want to knock over my camera like you've got going on over there. So, <laughs> uh, One final thing to show off before we move on. I picked this one up. I don't think I've shown this off yet. I just want Yoda's... Um, his puppety eyes to stare into everybody's soul oh, here for a minute. How wonderful. Um, this is the Return of the Jedi. Choose your own Star Choose Your Own Star Wars Adventure Return of the Jedi featuring Yoda's massive <laughs> dead stare. And it's got this like holographic cover. If you can see that. It's the the collector's edition, limited collector's edition. It's got illustrations. There's there's the Sarlacc pit there, which is pretty cool. And um, it, what's really exciting about this, for anybody who follows like the Star Wars author nitty-gritty world, the author of this is Christopher Golden, which I find hilarious because, well, there's an author in both canon and legends, mind you, named Christy Golden. Any relation to this author, mm. Christopher Golden? Hey, I have no idea, but I've got to find out. So... Coming up next week on This is a Legends Mystery I didn't know I'd have to be solving, we're going to find out. We're going to get to the truth of it. Any relation? Meg, did you know that there was a a Star Wars author named Christopher Golden? I did not. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I'd like to think it's like an alternate Legends universe of Christy Golden. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) The Legends version of Christy. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Is it good? Is is Christopher half as good a writer as Christy? Hey, I don't know, but I'm going to read it. At some point, surely, right? Um, I actually didn't even know there were illustrations until just now when I found that Sarlacc pit. So <laughs> that's exciting. Next week, we are, of course, planning on doing a Choose Your Own Adventure right here live on air. I've got a handful of different ones picked out. I'm going to be sorting through over the next week, and I'm going to catch Freddie up on one of them, send him some links, and possibly put a book or two in the mail. So uh, get ready for that. How many it's times will unlike- I die? 
<laughs> Unlike anything you've ever seen on Legends Look Back, um, how would you like for Freddie and me to die? If you've got any, uh, let us know, and we'll, we'll just like glue a page in the book, all right? And uh, you can help us meet whatever demise you see fit, because it is, after all, on April Fool's Day that we're going live. I mean, something had to happen. Something had to happen. I thought maybe I would host in uh, like my, my Wookiee slippers, you know, just for the April oh, Fool's nice. Day, but I'm not sure I'm flexible enough to get them up on the desk anymore. <laughs> Turning 30 this year. I'm not sure I've got that kind of flexibility. Now, uh, at this point in the show, we like to talk about Legends news, and uh, last week we had so much Legends news that we missed something. I know, it's hard to believe that there would be so much Legends news that we wouldn't adequately get to something. Um, number one is uh, there is something that, um, you know, we kind of hit on in passing, that is the return of the Clone Wars, the Gindy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars is actually coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, so excited. We're excited about that. But tying into that, Freddie, of course, there's a character introduced in that series known as, as Dirge. What is he, like a, like a dark side cyborg? What's his whole deal? He's like a samurai cyborg? Yeah. What do you think of Dirge? Uh, Dirge, well, first of all, isn't, isn't Dirge canonized now? He's canon. Yeah, oh, that's the news. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm burying the lead here. Um, Dirge, yeah, going out of order. Sorry, Meg. There he is. There's Dirge. Look at him. Um, right over there behind Sana Staros and Dr. Aphra. Dirge is back. And um, he's looking as as legendsy as ever. Um, it's like, so go home, Dirge. You're drunk. You're in the wrong timeline. <laughs> but I'm excited about this. I think when I saw the news, I'd like to hear about you, Freddie. But for me, I think when this happened, I just screamed at the top of my lungs alone in my office. Dirge! <laughs> um, and nobody was there to hear it. So did it actually happen? Um, it's up to you to find out. Uh, what do you think, Freddie? Is, is this like the, the biggest... Legends character to to make it into canon since Thrawn. Ah, uh, this is you know, I I never I never expected Dirge to be canonized. It just seems like a character that you know where would you put him? Well, here we go, Doctor Afra. This is where you. This is exactly where you put Dirge. And and I'm really glad to see a lot of these characters, a lot of these legends characters and and themes making its way into canon because uh, it's a lot of good content. And there's a lot of good stuff to be mined, right? And and the fact that, uh, to be honest, I don't really dig into canon that much. I'm still so into to legends that I haven't. I keep you busy on Legends Look Back. <laughs> you keep as me busy. As soon as Freddie picks up a canon book, I'm like, Freddie, read the book for Legends Look Back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this Very is awesome, true. man. I'm so I'm so excited to see this. I gotta I gotta admit, I'm rusty on my like dirge history, my dirge trivia. I watched the Tartakovsky series a few times, as we all have. Um, but, but, uh, and I've read some of the legends, you know, the Clone Wars comics. And I think I read the, the killing of Dirge a, a year or two ago. I was reading some of the Clone Wars comics. I think I remember Anakin killing him, Obi-Wan. I don't remember, yeah, but been a while. I'm excited for him to die again. You know, surely this time <laughs> it's going to be Boba Fett, right? Um, he's in this war, the bounty Hunters series. So I'm excited to see what comes of that. Uh, it looks great. Can't get me more excited. Are you excited for Dirge? I am. Uh, what do you know about Dirge? What am I missing? Let us know in the chat. Let us know in the Legends Look Back Discord. And uh, something else that Meg was flashing up on the screen there for our video listeners, because I went out of order. My fault. Sorry. It's just, I try to hit those segues. Um, all right. This one's pretty exciting. We, of so course, cool. did, what, four episodes over the, <laughs> over the, uh, the John Jackson Miller Knights of the Old Republic series. Well, one of the, the artists for this, which one was it? Is it... Um, Brian Ching, artists on this. Brian Ching, yeah. that's right. He he was redrawing some of his covers and characters, and so um, he actually was posting on on Twitter, and then um, again on 
where did this come up? Skuma Joe posted it on Reddit and in our Legends Look Back Discord. And as soon as he did, I was like, Skuma Joe, I just found you on Reddit because I just saw this a few minutes ago. <laughs> but uh, thanks for always looking out for us, especially with KOTOR news. Wherever there's KOTOR news, Skuma Joe is there. And we've got these redrawn versions of the KOTOR characters. And they're amazing, aren't they? Um, isn't it kind of crazy the way his style has changed even since uh, we got those issues in print? Yeah, it is. It, it's it's crazy to see the evolution of of the artist itself, right? Because they're they're just like everybody else. They're gonna learn new tactics, new new techniques that work. And but the crazy thing is, just looking at this art, I could tell you right away this is Brian Ching. It has it has his his style written all over it. Man, Thrawn would be proud. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> enough of a an art critic to be able to identify that, or maybe it's because I'm not wearing my contacts tonight. Uh, either way. Um, these look great, and I'm I'm so excited that Skuma Joe shared those with us. If you want a closer look at these, pop on over to the Legends Look Back Discord. It's been popping off. Now I can't guarantee that half the conversation is not about Naked Palpatine, but like it might be. I haven't done the math. I haven't done the math. But uh, these are amazing, and I love them. And uh, man, I'm already feeling like I need to revisit the series. It was just a couple of months ago that we finished it up. Um, now, we have a really fun thing that's been going on over on the Legends Look Back. We mentioned the Discord. We also had something going, something very fun going on on Twitter. We've been running a giveaway. Some great participation on that. Uh, some people have, have chimed in on, on uh, liking or retweeting that, that, hey, I haven't seen over here on the YouTube or in the Discord. So either we've got some people that really want some Legends books, or uh, we've got some fans I have yet to like, personally get acquainted with. Uh, very excited, however, tonight to announce the winner. Now, Meg, you've been running the... The, the the giveaway behind the scenes. What do you think is the best way to announce the winner? Um, like, uh, I message you on, message the Legends Look Back Twitter account, DM on, on Twitter. Is that the right way to do it, you think? Um, yes, let's do it that way. Yeah, yeah, it was a Twitter giveaway. So if you are the winner, and we say your handle here, you've got, let's let's say what, one week till next week's show to claim your prize and uh, get your address to us, and we will send the Legends Starter Pack your way. We've got, remind us of the books, Freddy. It's Rogue Squadron, Rogue which Squadron. we're talking about tonight. Yeah, we've got Trucet Bakura, of course. Yep. And for some reason, I can't remember the last one. <laughs> and Heir to the Empire, Heir to the right? Empire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Heir to the Empire, which if you want some good coverage of that, uh, I'm still working my way through Conjure Book Club's coverage. I'm hoping to finish that up tomorrow while I snowboard for the last time this spring. Um, uh, and of course, that is um, with our friend Cheryl Bell was was a great mm-hmm. guest on that series. Absolute all star coverage on that. There's some stuff where I'm like, have I read the same books? As she's talking about the emotional depth behind some of these characters, it's great stuff. So, and one last thing in that uh, giveaway that is the Legends Look Back sticker, which hey, I mentioned snowboarding. Mine's on my snowboard, and um, you can put it on your snowboard. You can put it on your. Your spaceship doesn't matter. Uh, does, whatever you want to put it, it's going to be yours. The winner is Master Eleven Seventy Seven. If you are a real person <laughs> and you entered this giveaway, Master Eleven Seventy Seven, thank you for participating in the giveaway. You have to listen to this episode to know that you've won, unless we tell you. In which case, you then need to contact Meg. We'll get better at this. You won the giveaway. We'll Congratulations. <laughs> Rounds of applause. One of these days, we're going to have one of those buttons. Like, uh, like Corey has the one that says his name was John Cena. We're going to have one of those. I'm working on just it. Just for our giveaway winners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. You're going to love it. And a last little bit of housekeeping here. Just a couple more things before we get into the meat of the show. One, we've now got Super Chat here on uh, on YouTube. 
forgot what this was called once again. Yeah, over here on YouTube, if you have uh, YouTube, and I don't even know how to hook up money. I'm so much more savvy with Twitch. <laughs> There's a button where you can send Corey credits. If you like what we're doing here, send those credits our way, all right? I think it's got a dollar sign on it, and it's called Super Chat, right? Is that about right, Ready, Freddie? Uh, something like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's almost like what we had going over there on Twitch, but it's better because this is where we are now. That's right. And of course, one last thing I just wanna just wanna say is hey, we've got a great crew here with us in the chat tonight. If you are listening on audio, you can join us every Thursday night at 9.30 Eastern Time, or if you are on the West Coast like Freddie over there in California, uh, it is 6.30, his time, right after work. And, of course, you can join us for the show live. We've got an amazing community um, happening over here on YouTube. It's such a great group of people where you can see this kind of crazy stuff happening live. You can participate in the chat. You can throw us off our game with um, the super (laughs) chats like the Spice Den just did. Jacob... He's got. He he posted this. He paid for it, Meg. So I've got to say it, don't you think? No. He says. No. He says for for the for the massive price of two dollars. You want to take this one, Freddie? What does Spice then have to say? Noodles. Uh, noodles. That's right. That's right. I was reorganizing my Star Wars books the other day, Meg, and I was just handling my Heir to the Jedi copy, the hardback, and I was like, I'm so happy that this has become what it has become. We might have to serve noodles at Palpatine's retirement party, I've got to say. So thanks for that, Jacob. That was a great illustration of what I'm trying to prove here. One, you can give us money. Two, it's fun to be with us live. Three, noodles. All right. No, this this is... I'm going to get on my uh, my preachy high horse for like 30 seconds here, and then I'll get off of it, so don't worry. Um, You are, of course, willing... um, if If you're willing to... Respond to this. You can get in touch with us on um, the Legends Look Back Discord channel if you want to talk about this more. But um, there's been, you know, just some nastiness I've been encountering on Twitter the last couple of weeks, um, in particular directed toward women, in particular women in our fandom, and even more specifically women in the Utini uh, community. And uh, I just want to say hate has no place in this fandom. I'm ashamed that I even have to say this. Um, but I also want to say this as a, as in a positive way to say, hey, thank you to our amazing community with Legends Look Back. I'd like to think, Freddie, do you think I'm right here that this is the most positive Star Wars Legends community on the internet? I'd say so. I would say we're getting there for sure. Yeah, we're getting there. I mean, we we love we love all things Legends, right? There's nothing, in my opinion, I love every single book down to um, you know, uh, what is it? The Even some Ru- of the weird ones. Ruins of Dantooine. Well, give it to me, man. I, I it's I haven't read that one yet. So. <laughs> Uh, I love all things Star Wars, uh, and and to be honest, like if, if someone likes Star Wars, female, male, I, I, it doesn't, or you know, anywhere in between, it doesn't bother me. I I, I can't see why. I, I like when someone think, likes the same thing as me. So I, I just I don't know. I can't get. Geek. And even if you don't like the same thing as us, yeah. you know what? Um, if there's something that you don't like, just move along. Take a cue from other shoulder. Take a cue from these stormtroopers over here. All right, and just move along. Just move along. If there's something you don't like, uh, don't feel the need to ruin somebody else's day or ruin somebody else's life because words, hey, they may be anonymous on the internet to a certain extent, but they can make a real impact on somebody's day. We're grateful for our incredible community here with Legends Look Back, and it's getting better all the time. So let's take care of our community. Let's especially take care of our ladies. And, um, of course, let's be a force for positivity in the fandom. We say that at the end of every episode, but we mean it. Isn't that right, Freddie? Yeah, we do. Mean it. So uh, thanks, everybody, who's with us live. Let's 
get into the heart of the show. Now, tonight we are once again talking about the X-Wing books. We are talking about the first four books in this series. We're not going to be getting into the most spoiler-heavy territory. We can't break down every last character and plot point in a four-book story arc in one episode. We are, however, going to be talking about a couple of little spoilers along the way. We will always give a warning before we do so. Um, this first arc of books, of course, um, was published in the mid to late 90s. The first book, Rogue Squadron, came out in 1996. And when they come out, just every few months after that, Freddie, or every every year? I've lost track of my timeline with these. I used to have all this stuff memorized. I could rattle <laughs> off just about any Legends book publication year. That's a good question. I, I, I mean, there's 10 of them. I know Mercy Kill was like the last one standalone. It was quite that, late, that, 2012 maybe. Yeah, it was like one of the last books before Disney came in and, and bought the whole thing up. But uh, it, it was definitely, if you look at the whole timeline, right, you've got, I think it's 94, 95, something like that, all the way to 2012, right? That's the whole series. Um, yeah, this first book is 96, okay. but the con- the continuity with the X-Wing books in particular is dicey. Now, I got into a lengthy <laughs> debate with one of our Utini members, uh, one, of our, one of our other... Um, team members behind the scenes this week about the continuity surrounding the publication of the Legends books, the the Legends X-Wing books versus the Legends X-Wing comics. Now, Freddie, do you know what came first? The first X-Wing book or the first X-Wing comic? Putting you on the spot here. This isn't in the show notes. I feel like the first X, the the X-Wing comic came out before the book. Uh, yeah, and I only say that right. because I, I'm not sure if I'm spoiling anything, but there's some history bet- between two characters in Wedge's Gamble that if you didn't read the comics, I mean, you wouldn't really know how they know each other. Oh, interesting. Who are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about Winter and um, Ty- Taicho, Tycho, however you call him. Tycho. Yeah. That's right. Come on, say it right, Freddie. <laughs> Say these fictional names that have never been pronounced in any kind of official capacity, the way that I pronounce them in my mind brain. Um, brain. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe that's why Winter has never resonated with me as much as she has with some some other Legends fans. Maybe I'm missing just a chapter in her life that's really going to seal the deal and make it all tie together. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, the continuity with all of this, because the first X-Wing comic came out in 95. Remember mm-hmm. uh, Dark Empire's 91? Um, uh, what's one of the other... Uh, Tales of the Jedi is also early 90s. This is like the third or fourth uh, Dark Horse um, Star Wars comic, of course, that was published after... Uh, Dark Horse acquired the license from Marvel in the early 90s. So this is kind of the first, what I consider the first wave of Legends comics from Dark Horse. However, you don't have to, you know, Freddie mentioned one example, but for the most part, you don't have to read the yeah. comics to understand what's happening in the books. Isn't that right? Yeah, you don't have to read them. It, you could, I think I read them way after the fact, and I, I kind of went back to, to retrace some of the, the things that they talked about. And it, it made sense, but it wasn't like, oh, you're definitely missing something. So you can... Yeah. yeah. Um, there's the, the first book, of course, opens with the idea that, that they've had a lot of casualties. A lot of the members of this lauded the, the best group of fighter pilots in all of the New Republic, that they've taken a lot of losses. Uh, they've been successful, they're heroic, and yet they're decimated. There is no more Rogue Squadron in the beginning of the book Rogue Squadron, not to be confused with the comic Rogue Squadron or the game Rogue Squadron. This is where it gets confusing in Legends. Everything just has the same name. (laughs) It's like the Knights of the Old Republic. It's like, what is that referring to? Is it a comic? Is it a game? Is it both? 
Um, in this particular example, the books start with Wedge trying to restart the squadrons. But he's got to recruit all new members. He and Tycho, uh, they've been through some stuff. And Tycho in particular is in a bad place in the beginning of this series. And uh, by the time we get to book three, there's like an epic trial. And uh, in which case we get to talk about the Noir event, Twi'lek Intergalactic mm. Attorney, which is just the best thing ever. I love that so much. I've come to love Noir event even more as I've been rereading these books. Um Interestingly enough, for the most part, you don't have to read the comics first. However, the books are not a direct, um, they're not a direct sequel to the comics, nor are they um, an adaptation of the comics. And I think that's where things often get confusing to people. You see a comic that came out first called Rogue Squadron, then there's a book, and people often jump to the assumption that the book is just, uh, you know, a, a novelization of what came first in the comics. Do you think that's about right, Freddie, that people might make that mistake? Yeah, right. It's it's really confusing because you would expect Rogue Squadron video game to be about Rogue Squadron book to be about the Rogue Squadron comic books. <laughs> but they're three separate things. But they're all, they overlap. They overlap, right, somewhat. Uh, or, you know, it's just like, do you like Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron, or Rogue Squadron? Well, I like Rogue Squadron, so. <laughs> That's right. Now, just to make things even more confusing, um, there is a prequel comic that came out in the early 2000s called Rogue Leader. Mm-hmm that is a prequel to the comics. That's right. So it's a comic that's a prequel to the Rogue Squadron comics. <laughs> Whereas in the video games, the game Rogue Leader came out as a sequel to the game Rogue Squadron. All right, in the games, Rogue Leader is a sequel. In the comics, Rogue Leader is a prequel. I bumped the microphone. That's how confusing it is. I can't even keep the timeline straight with my fingertips. All right. Um, nevertheless, if that's not clear as mud, we'll say this much. This particular group of books that we're talking about tonight is not to be confused with the 35-issue comic series that came out concurrently at the same time. Stackpole's writing both the comics and the books. What a busy guy. I mean, he was so busy with these books. His work ethic is amazing. Look at the dates on these, Freddie. I finally found them. Okay. Ready? Yeah. First book, January 1996. Book two, Wedge's Gamble, May 1996. Mm. Book three, The Kratos Trap, September 1996. Mm. And The Back to War, January 1997. So four books in the span of one year. How long did it take him to write these? Hey, maybe one day we'll have him on the show and he can tell us all about them. Oh, my gosh. I I feel like I need to take a nap just after (laughs) that description. But... You know, the more that I reflect on these, Freddie, I think these, for me, might be the absolute pinnacle of, I would say, the Bantam era of Legends. In certain ways, tied with, if not just right behind the Thrawn trilogy. Do you put this ahead of or above the Thrawn trilogy in your mind, Freddie? I may or may not get a lot of hate for this, but I put this ahead of, of, uh, of Thrawn trilogy and I, I only say that because I, I actually touched these first before I hit Thrawn so uh, just reading these at the time maybe like a few years after they were written it was just magical to me just uh, it was everything I wanted right and I, I don't know how to explain it it's it's so unique because as I mentioned as we did these episodes on, the, on our audio only show uh, of course this was as far as I know I could be wrong on this feel free to correct me in the Legends Look Back Discord channel or on Twitter the first um, full-length novel that doesn't have any of the original trilogy characters as its main characters. Like, they pop up for cameos. One of the books is called Solo Command, in which case 
Han is just kind of like stepping on people's toes, and some of them love him, and some of them hate him, and he's trying to chase Warlord Zinj across the galaxy, and he's just this buffoonish, and yet like kind of heroic at the same time as ever. But like, that's one book. For the most part, the original trilogy characters are not the main characters of this series, unless you count Wedge, and he gets, what, 12 seconds of screen time across the entire original trilogy? Yeah. You remember him for his outstanding line. Great shot, Jansen. I mean... <laughs> That's Oscar-worthy performance, if I've ever heard it. So um, really, really fun continuity, considering the fact that um, this was groundbreaking for a lot of people. It introduces us not just to one new character in Eugenie's very favorite character, Corrin Horn, but also to an entire squadron yeah. of characters. And as we're going to talk about tonight, not one, not two, not three, but four formidable villains. Just in this first arc... The first four books of this 10-book series. So, of course, we've talked about the trivia. We've talked about the history. Let's talk about some of these characters, Freddie. Let's do it. Um, who Who is your favorite rogue? And why is it Noara Vin, intergalactic attorney? I, I There's only one right answer here. It's got to be Noara, Noara Vin, right? I really do like Noara Vin. He has this character about him and this air of confidence. And he's so... To think that he is an absolutely skilled pilot and an attorney... And he, he's just so smooth, man. He's so smooth. Um, uh, you know, he, I think he, he counters a lot of, of Corrin's, uh, you know, I'm not even sure what to call it at this point, but his... His, his vibrato. His vibrato, yeah. It's like he, he's very chill, very cool. He's, he's the guy that's like, hey, man, have a beer, you know? Uh, there is a great pub scene, isn't there? Yeah. Is it in the first or second book? I think it's in the first. I think it's... <laughs> where, where Nora Vin gets drunk and starts like singing a song. Does he sing a song? I think he so. gets up on a table, right? Yeah. It's been a, like a few months since I've reread the first book. I'm a book three at the moment. Um, it's it's great. Like um, it's not quite as good as when three PO creates the song Han Solo, What a Man Solo in Courtship of Princess Leia. <laughs> That's even better. Which, like that that definitely needs to be performed at Palpatine's retirement party yes. for sure. Yeah. Um, I picture him as like standing next to Nick the Lounge Singer. For that one, but yeah, Noir Vin is is probably top of my list. Uh, who else is is near the top of your list, Freddie? I really like Mirex. Uh, she she kind of provides this this um, counter to Corin, right? Because he he's very much the the cop, the very good cop, the by the rules. And then you have Mirex, who is, uh, I believe it's his like lifelong nemesis, who is literally quite the opposite of him. I mean, she it's Booster's daughter. Right, and if you know Legends, you know who Booster is. He yeah, who who drives around in his uh, bright red <laughs> yeah. casino Star Destroyer. Exactly. So the errant venture is that right? I think it Am might be the name the, right. I think I messed it up. Um, I can't remember, but it is bright errant cherry venture, red. Something else, isn't it? it yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'll look it up. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah. So she, you know her her character and the way she comes in, she's very much like the eye roll. Like, come on, like this guy, come on, really. <laughs> well, she was Mirax is of course uh, uh, best friends with. With Wedge, so they grew up together mm-hmm. on um, what, like a like a space gas station? Yeah, it was like a space gas station. Yeah, you're right. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I love legends for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like a, his his Wedge's parents owned a fueling station, yeah, I think, yeah. in in Legends, which is excellent. It's not so different from where Wedge is in canon. He's like a defected Imperial, but like you know, yeah. we gotta make space gas stations canon again. Is like, this? Let's pitch dirge out the window. Let's get space gas stations back. Is uh is Wedge Corellian? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, definitely. Okay. And so she's she Mirax is also Corellian and has um, doesn't want anybody to tell her the odds, and also like has that Han Solo swagger to her, which is excellent because in Star Wars, if you're from a planet, you have the exact same personality as everybody else from that planet. No, not only that, but the entire planet is one biome. That's right. <laughs> um, that, that's why it was so confusing in the, the lead up for Rise of Skywalker. It was like, hold on, I see the Death Star, but there's water. I thought that the planet that the Death Star crashed on was just forests. And we were all like, guys, there could also be water. And then we watched the movie, and Lucasfilm's like, no, 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 no. It's a different planet. This one has water. And Dianogas. You know, we still have to go to Galaxy's Edge together, Freddy. Yeah, we do. Because in Star Tours, you know, you go underwater in uh, Exegol. Is that right? No, no, no. What's the name of the... Uh, I'm so close. Kefbeer? Is that right? Um. I don't remember. You're a Legends guy. Yeah. Anyway, you go underwater <laughs> on the Death Star planet, and it's just full of Dianogas. Just dozens of Dianogas. And here I am, you know, the Star Wars nerd, pushing up my glasses, screaming at the top of my lungs, They're Dianogas! And everybody else is like, what? Anyway, it's great. I love it. Um, of course, Mirax, now I'm going to get technical with you here. Is she, is she a rogue? She might be roguish. She's an induct, like an inductory rogue. An honorary yeah, rogue? Yeah, an honorary rogue squadron. She helps them out and stuff like that, you know? Now, let's talk about Mirax's um, personal history here for a second. This is a little bit crazy. Now, I'd like to talk to the authors about how exactly this happened. Um, how exactly did this happen in, in terms of actually being established in continuity? But in... In Legends, all right, in book three of uh, the Rogue Squadron trilogy, it's a little bit spoiler spoilery for this book, so give me like 30 seconds here if you're wanting to read these books for yourself. In book three, of course, Wedge um, has fallen in love with Iella. Uh, I said Mirax, talking about Iella, um, who's best friends with Corin. So you got like, you know, the... Um, the love interest for Corrin, the way we got to have like a roadmap here. The love interest for Corrin in the Rogue Squadron series is best friends with Wedge. But then the lo- love interest for Wedge is former partners with Corrin. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it gets a, gets a little bit wacky here. Um, of course, Iella, her husband, comes back from the dead. Derek, right? They think he's dead. Eventually, uh, Iella is like, hey, I want you to meet my husband, who has just shown back up, even though I thought he was dead. We eventually find out, uh, poor Derek, right? He's been brainwashed by the Imperials. Isard has, you know, turned him into his mind into slop, and he's a sleeper agent. It's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Now, have you read the Aftermath trilogy in canon, Freddy? I have not. No, I have not. It's All on right. my list. All right. This is crazy. I'm going to spoil this for you. You're going to be a casualty of the Legends of Back spoilies, spoilies here tonight. Spoilies. If, you, if you've not read Aftermath, all right, set this one out. In canon, the exact same thing happens. Wedge falls in love with a woman whose husband is presumed dead, comes back from the dead, and is in fact a sleeper agent for the Imperials. In both Legends and canon, Wedge falls in love with a woman whose husband is presumed dead, then comes back from the dead, and is a sleeper agent. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, we think Legends is crazy. Hey, canon is just as crazy, isn't it? So good to hear. (laughs) So good to hear that Legends just seeping through canon. 
<laughs> I mean, the only way, and it's like the weirdest plot point, and other than Naked Palps, it might be one of the weirdest plot points in all of Legends, and somehow it made its way back into one of the very first canon releases. Anyway, long story short on that is, of course, I guess the only explanation is that Wendig liked these books and wanted to honor one of the weirder, more obscure, <laughs> fantastic plot points from the series, right? Is that the only plausible explanation? Yep. There's no way it's a coincidence. No, that's, that's on purpose. Spoilies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so if you ever read Aftermath, if you haven't uh, gotten into uh, all four books of the, the Rogue Squadron series, spoilers are over. All right, we moved on past that one. <laughs> then, of course, I, I started messing up our list there. Freddie mentioned Nawara and Mirax, and I went off on a tangent about Iela. Hey, we'll go ahead and put her on my list. So Nawara and then Iela. Um, she is just a, a great kind of foil for Corrin. Um, but also a love interest for for Wedge, you know, the husband bit notwithstanding. It gets resolved. It's all cool. All right. Um, Freddie, who else is on your list amongst your favorite rogues? You know, there's like, wait, 15, 16 across the the trilogy. (laughs) There's so many. The quadrilogy, excuse me, because, you know, a couple of them bite the dust along the way. Who else is on your list of your top rogues? I don't mean to go on a tangent again, but I want to say that this is the first... No tangents allowed, Freddie. (laughs) Not in Legends Look Back. This is the first Bantam series where a lot of the main characters do, in fact, die, and and you don't know who they're going to be, right? It just kind of happens. Um so that's, that's yeah, a fun fact there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, remembering these from when I was a kid, when I read them for the first time, the like two plot points I remembered going back into these a few years ago as an adult was this. Pilots die and it's going to wreck you. Mm-hmm. And also Cornhorn and his shiny <laughs> medallion. Yeah. Those are like the only two things I remembered. Um, there's a lot more going on than that, but those are two significant things. I'd like to get like a custom made medallion. That you know you resembles rub it whenever the way that Corin's yeah I'm just lo- gonna rub it all day and night whenever <laughs> I need to be lucky I almost said get, get lucky I mean, whenever I need some some extra luck I'll just rub my medallion and uh, Corin Horn's magic will rub uh. off on me all right um, continue with okay. your <laughs> your tangent Freddie who else is on your list all right so Gavin Gavin Darklighter I I like him as a character he he comes in as like the fresh young naive boy who has to see war and and death uh not only of of his enemies and he has to kill enemies too right but he also sees his mentor uh go in the first book right off the bat so yeah you know gavin is is an excellent character for the fact that we meet his brother biggs dark lighter in the original trilogy kind of you know a little bit he's in there with his he's eclipsed by his mustache but he's he's under that mustache he's there um of course he is cut from the film. You know his his initial his initial introduction early on in the movies is cut because um, that that opening scene with Luke and Cammy and Fixer and Biggs, you know, is is cut from the that cut of the film. In my mind, it's there as if it's in the movie because of how many times I've listened to the radio drama from NPR, <laughs> yeah. and that scene gets gets fleshed out uh, quite a bit in that series. Um, of course, Biggs is is this this legendary original trilogy character who dies in the original Death Star trench run. Now his younger brother takes up the mantle, which is a really poetic, uh, kind of mythological story arc, isn't it? Like he's, he's like the little brother of Rogue Squadron, but it's fun to watch him evolve across the series because he falls in love with a Bothan pilot, which is fun for him to like ask Corrin Horn for dating advice. I'm like, <laughs> Ali- how do I make this work with a Bothan partner? Inter-alien dating advice. I mean, this series is as much about the relationships and the romance as it is about uh, the the space battles. And there's some great space battles. So, 
if that doesn't tell you about the romance, I don't know what is. So, of course, um, we've talked about uh, Mirax and Nora Vin and Gavin. Um, there's a really fun scene in the book where they go back to Tatooine and have to talk to Huff Darklighter. <laughs> like Corin meets Corin. Corin has to you know interact with the the Darklighter clan, which is kind of fun to go back to Tatooine in Legends, isn't it? Yeah, always fun to go back into Tatooine. Um, kind of hear about the legend of Biggs and and the the shoes that Gavin is trying to fill, mm-hmm. and of course later on in the um, the Legends continuity, I won't say what happens with Gavin, but he's still hanging around. He's got uh, a, a prominent role later on if you're paying attention. So gotta love Gavin for that as well. I'm trying to think who else we haven't talked about who might make my top list. Now I will say with Corin. He's infuriating, but he's supposed to be. Now, I'd love to talk to Stackpole about this one day. I, I'm fairly certain that he writes Corin to be infuriating so that his his story will evolve, right? Yeah. So that he will come along. Um, it, it certainly looks like, you know, as you're reading this, that the, the development is planned, that it's not like he's accidentally writing Corin to be... <laughs> you know, yeah. insensitive and infuriating. Yeah, well, I mean, you read it um, at the very beginning, right? The first book, it, it's very much, uh, you're, no, you're no Luke Skywalker, and he's just furious, and he just wants to be better than Bora Jace, and, and then uh, eventually he starts to actually care about the other people in his group. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he certainly is more suspicious of his other, I almost called them classmates, squadron mates, squad mates, his colleagues in arms. Um, colleague, colleagues in in S foils. You know, he's suspicious, especially of Tycho. And there's there's a lot of trying to get to the heart of who exactly is the spy in the squadron. And it turns out, okay, ten seconds, fifteen seconds of spoilers here, that the spy ends up being the woman in the squadron that he's hooking up with mm-hmm. in Erisi Delaret. So like, way to be suspicious of somebody who's totally blameless and totally let your guard down with the one person who is trying to sabotage your squadron. Way to go, Corin. Yep, it would be one of those things. Like when you reread the series, you you can totally see it coming. But for me, I gotta admit, even in my reread, um, at like five, six, time is really flying by. Seven years ago, when I reread these for the first time as an adult, I couldn't remember who it was. And then when it becomes apparent, boy, is it apparent! It's true. So, uh, so I don't think that Reese is gonna make my top, you know, rogues (laughs) list. However, I I put Corin up there. Corin up there for the fact that there is so much character evolution. Not that I enjoy everything he ever says. I enjoy <laughs> laughing at him, so that counts, right? That does, yeah. I don't have the hatred for Corin that other people have. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Freddie, but in the Legends world, you either love Corin or you hate him. I mean, I know a lot of Legends fans who would consider him the best Expanded Universe character ever. It's, do you know people like this? Yeah, I do. I actually do. I know a few people who think Corrin is, is they, they like Corrin, they like his character, they like his development. Um, and I obviously know people who feel quite the opposite. And uh, on a scale of one to ten, how badly do you want to yeet Corrin Horn out of here? Or do you want to keep... I forgot that we made a meme out of yeet last week. But Corrin is the exact perfect person to to revive that meme with it's especially fun because book two ends with and you can't make this stuff up he is i told this to somebody the other day and they thought i was joking book two ends with the cliffhanger of corin strapped naked to a chair yeah aboard a star destroyer being interrogated by yasani Isard. and that's literally the way the book ends what's crazy is the third book doesn't pick up with that 
it it picks up with Corrin being brainwashed and like shooting down rogues. And you're like, whoa, what happened here? Oh, yeah, 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 the naked chair thing. That's right. That really messed him up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's wonderful, and they're, they're incredibly, incredibly enjoyable. If you want to deal with a character who's not the most likable to watch, um, the other characters around them look more likable in comparison, and then especially for that character arc. Now, we talked about your favorite rogue. What about your favorite book in the series? Now, you can go beyond the first four books if need be. Um, there's 10 books in the entire series. Do you have a favorite X-Wing book? This one's tough. And don't you dare say Shadowfall. <laughs> um, we're not talking about the canon, you know, Alphabet Squadron books. They're great. They're very different. They're much mm-hmm. more character-centric. Um, these are you know, much more grand, sweeping. There's a lot more space battles than in the canon books. Yeah. But, of course, we're dealing with the massive plot points like the liberation of Coruscant here, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they're, they're very important in a different way than the modern canon books have been uh, of a comparison series. Um, but out of the, out of the X-Wing books, do you have a favorite? I do. Uh, it's hard to really pick, honestly. And I think the reason why I pick Wedge's Gamble as my favorite is because I've read it the most. Uh, mainly because, you know, the first one, Rogue Squadron, is very much an introduction to everybody. The, the forming of the group, why people are in it, etc., etc., and you know there there are important facts, but once you once you've read it a few times, you you kind of get it. You know, you know what's going to happen. But Wedge's Gamble, I feel, is where you really get like the the plot to to really start building up, and you get a lot of the commando moments, and 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 you start to feel the the anxiety that the characters are feeling while they're under undercover and whatnot. And then, of course, you've got you know the the Kratos being developed, and and it's just I feel like it's the real start, in my opinion, of the book, and it's where, where everything just kicks off. Yeah, the the that book in particular is um, is one of the best for the fact that you've got the massive plot point that's the liberation of Coruscant, but you've also got um, the how do I want to describe this? There's so much happening character wise in that book um, in Wedge's Gamble. There's something I'm trying to remember about it that makes it one of the best books in the series. Um, Winter. It's one of the most important books plot-wise in all of Legends for the fact that they take Coruscant, and, and it doesn't necessarily happen all through space battle, right? Um, it happens through this this like uh, on the ground liberation mi- mission. Is that the one where they dress up, they, like go undercover <laughs> yeah. as yeah. as um, like farm boys? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Oh my goodness! There's something I'm forgetting that's on the tip of my tongue that I that I absolutely love that makes Wedge's Gamble one of the best books in the series. I think for me, it's it, it could either be the Kratos Trap or Iron Fist. Kratos Trap is fun because we're of course dealing with um, the the trial of Tycho Selchu. and Noara Van, of course, is his space attorney, and you're finally getting to the it's like it's what 80 pages of like this is the classic kind of like Matlock story of like that classic yeah. uh trial scene and the big reveal where uh, you know spoiler for this Corin bursts through the room to reveal that he's been alive this whole book where they <laughs> presume that he was dead they have like a 30 40 page funeral for Corin and then he's like I'm alive and such a Corin like, thing to Corrin do Corin would ruin the trial for his own murderer <laughs> which is awesome and so uh, I, I might love that one I, I love book two of the race squadron series it's great for um, the fact that it deals with this friendship between a couple of the Wraiths, Face. There's a character named Face, Face Loran, and there's another who I'm forgetting 
what exactly his name is. I'm looking forward to getting into those. We've had some takers, Freddie, for people who want to join us on those Race Squadron episodes once we get to those. So some a little bit of competition. We're going to have to probably have like a, what, a duel in the skies, duel to the death to find out who can join us on Legends of Look Back. <laughs> the fact, gonna make the it, fact that uh, Corin has a 40-page funeral and bursts it is hilarious to me. It's so Corin. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's excellent. It's amazing. It's like, you know it's going to happen, but it's super satisfying when it does happen. Yeah. He doesn't, no, to be clear, he doesn't ruin his funeral. He ruins the trial for his that's, killer. That's right, that's right, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm alive, by the burst, way. <laughs> yeah, the whole trial has to be thrown out because it's me. I'm not dead. And it actually wasn't Tygo, even though, you know, I was totally convinced that it was. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Um, love the Starfighters of Adamar, which is also a good one. A little bit less consequential. It's much more focused on the romance, mm-hmm. which is, is fun. If that's your favorite thing about these books, you're going to love it, too. Um, now, Freddie, why do you think these are regarded as some of the best books in the EU? We've talked about some of our favorite things about them, but why do you think uh, among Legends fans, yeah. these rank amongst the very best? Uh, Cheryl in the chat is saying she doesn't think we're selling them well. She doesn't feel like she needs to read them. Try, try to convince her otherwise. Okay. You've got one minute. Okay, one minute. Well, I always I always say this is the Top Gun Baywatch of Star Wars, right? This is like the the, the drama, <laughs> the the intensity, the love. There's there's sexual relations and, and tension and, and interspecies you know, relationships going on and uh, there's deaths all over the place, you know. There's not enough volleyball in my opinion. There's, there's not enough volleyball. You're right about that. Uh, and and ultimately, there's just drama all over the place and there's so much action going on without the big three being totally involved. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, that's well said. Now, I think one of the things that makes them especially fun to reread right now is the fact that one of the major plot points is a massive, deadly, contagious plague. And so Isar doesn't try to dominate the rebels with warfare, uh, you know, just with space battles, as you might expect from so many legends, masterminds. But Isard, of course, uh, she tries to defeat the rebels by giving them a planet that's dying. She intentionally sabotages Coruscant and hands it to them so that they will look bad, so that the New Republic will crumble by literally dying from disease, not from warfare. It's a biological warfare. Uh, it's a really interesting take, especially if you're used to... Um, hey, uh, much of the plot point we're talking about Legend Super Weapons a week or two ago with the um, Jedi Academy trilogy and the Sun Crusher and, wait, another Death Star, right? But in this, Isard's plan is to develop this deadly... It's a, a virus that melts aliens. It melts them. I'm kidding. I'm not even kidding you. Um, it causes, like, the Ithorians to melt, okay? And so um, it really reads differently since we've been dealing in our own world with... Uh, a you know a deadly contagious virus i've got to admit rereading the kratos trap i have felt like i need to put my mask on even to read the book so reads very differently uh, especially in light of our own recent events wouldn't you say freddie yeah honestly uh, i have to admit i i did do a quick reread of the books and uh, uh it, it reads differently because before i mean i'm talking the 90s you know we're thinking pandemics and it doesn't really phase you, but now that you're living in a in a global pandemic and you understand, you know, this Kratos trap is really deadly. So imagine this happening in our current world. It would just be absolute chaos. Governments would fail. So to think 
to think, you know, like this, this is what the, the rebels are inheriting. How are they going to come back from this? This is a really devastating thing to a planet. And it's going to create, you know, uh, I guess racial tensions, alien tensions. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's, there's, there's politics surrounding like who gets to be on the council of the New Republic. Why is it that uh, there's a Bothan on the council when the only things the Bothans did was get duped in Return of the Jedi? You know, <laughs> And, of course, one of the Bothans on the council is trying to usurp and embarrass Akbar, that Borskphalia, of course, everybody's favorite Bothan. Um, of course, you know, Borsk, he's constantly maneuvering, but, like, he's deft at what he does. He's good at his job, but he's terrible at his job at the same time. he's You love to hate him. You love to hate him. It's kind of fun to have a character like that. Now, there's a lot happening with that. You know, this series is so good in, in developing its its heroes, also good at developing its villains. We've mentioned the fact that Isard's plot to, you know, defeat the rebels is by handing them a dying planet. Um one of the things that, that makes the liberation of Coruscant kind of anticlimactic and surprising is the fact that when they liberate Coruscant, it's not necessarily a victory. They've they've liberated Coruscant, but it's also been handed to them, and they've been handed an absolute mess. Um, why do you think, Freddie, that um, this is so surprising of a plot twist? You know, such such an incredible writing move to find that the liberation of Coruscant is not accomplished through a massive epic space battle. Um, there's an atmospheric battle with Z-95 headhunters, which is, you know, not what you expect of primitive and not, <laughs> yeah. not necessarily the chosen piece of weaponry. Um, why is the liberation of Coruscant such an incredible, um, you know, it's told in such an incredibly, uh, mm-hmm. incredibly surprising, controversial way, don't you think? Yeah, well, it's interesting to think that the, the, the rebels or the New Republic, right, are trying to take it from within, but, and we're going to say this differently, is saying, it's hard. <laughs> it, it, she's also trying to destroy it from within instead of, you know, going doing the all-out battle on the stream. But also, yeah, you know... she's not necessarily trying to keep them from taking the planet. They're, they're trying to keep the, the health... Or, or, or everything intact, right? There's a there's a whole weapon system that that surrounds Coruscant that keeps it safe, and they want to they want to keep it as healthy as possible so that they can use it as well. And, and there's a lot of assets that they want to keep, you know. And Mon Mothma has a lot to do with it. Keep keep everybody on there safe because they they could just go in there and just pound everything down. And uh, you know, it's it's set up as a trap. It really is a trap because Usain is is is. She knows that she's not going to be able to win this battle, and she's not going to lose her, her assets herself. She's going to pretend and make it seem like she's doing it, but really she's going to go take off and try to destroy that, make them deal with it while she comes in at a different angle, right? So that's it's a, it's a very interesting plot twist. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've talked a lot about the liberation of Coruscant tonight. Uh, why do you think we haven't seen the liberation of Coruscant in canon? Um, in, in Alphabet Squadron... Uh, the, the third book, Victory's Price, which I just recently read, it seems like early on they are hinting that they might get there, and instead it goes to the Battle of Jakku for the third act. Um, why do you think we haven't seen the liberation of Coruscant in canon? Is this something that is going to stay uniquely a Legends plot point? I mean, I think that would be really cool, and I know a lot of fans were, they really wanted to see Coruscant in the, in the sequels, but I feel like Coruscant is such a grand world, and the only way to really liberate it from an enemy, it has to be a, a, an epic in itself, right? And I'm putting, you know, the epic as an E-P-O-C-H. Um, 
It has to be something that's grand. Ooh, you getting fancy on me, Frank. <laughs> yeah. In, in my opinion, for you to take such a grand planet, something that means so much to to the history of Star Wars, you need something that's going to be in itself pretty fantastic. And maybe that idea just hasn't popped up yet. I don't know. And And maybe they know that the expectations are so high because it was done so well in Legends that they're just going to go in a different direction. So they've given us this big epic battle uh, at Jakku, which now has been told through four, you know, four or five different perspectives. And it seems to me, if I understand what's happening correctly plot-wise, uh, Coruscant falls through political means. The Empire, of course, has kind of pulled out and has been defeated, and so it doesn't pass through space battle, which from a certain point of view is anticlimactic from a certain point of view hey if you want that climactic taking of coruscant have we got the books for you all right they're not going anywhere uh even though you can't get them in hardcover we didn't mention that in the trivia part of the episode only exist in paperback so um uh, you can have to enjoy them in this format in this format only which to some collectors is maddening but i don't mind it i don't mind it thankfully my copies haven't totally fallen apart yet but i might have to get new ones before too long (laughs) Now, we've talked about uh, Isard's dastardly plan in handing over a crumbling planet. However, she's not the only villain in this series. In fact, we've got uh, you know four or five major villains across the Rogue Squadron arc. Just these this first four-book series, not even talking tonight about you know uh, Warlord Zinj, who is his own character in and of himself in uh, the Wraith Squadron books. But across this four-book series... Now, who do you think is the best villain, right? Who's who's the most villainous? Is it Imperial bureaucrat Kirtan Lore? Is it uh, Imperial scientist and developer of the Krytos virus, General Derrico? Is it the um, one who straps Corin to chairs, um, Isan Isard? Or is it Erisi Delirit, the um, spy in Rogue Squadron from Typhera? Which one do you think, in for you, Freddie, is the most villainous? Well... Curtain Lore is just, uh, he's a little eye-rolling to me. Um, you call him Curtain? Curtain Lore. <laughs> Curtain Lore. I call him Curtain. Curtain Lore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of him. Uh, General Derricote is is pretty dastardly, but honestly, the one that always gets you is, is how could how could someone in Rogue Squadron who's sleeping and, and hanging out with these guys and learning their personalities just stab you in the back? And it always gets me every time, just reading her, her character, and, and it just... I can't. I can't believe someone would do that, and that always gets me. I think out of the, out of the the, the four, um, General Derricote this time to me has struck me as the the most villainous for the fact that he seems to be more in love with the science of developing <laughs> yeah. the Krytos virus without ever thinking about the implications of the real people that he's hurting. Yeah. You know, he he thinks he's developing something ingenious and something that, you know, scientifically performs well and works well without ever stopping to think, should I be developing this? Uh, And especially having just lived through this global pandemic, um, let's let's go ahead and think twice before we unleash a deadly virus on the world, much less the galaxy. And especially the racism of it all, the xenophobia, right? The fact that this is developed specifically to target, you know, Gamorians and Ithorians and other Orians because it's it's an alien-centric virus, doesn't target humans, makes it even... um, kind of heartbreaking you know he, he never strikes you as somebody who has a grand plan he strikes you as somebody who is doing what isar tells him to but ultimately he could have drawn the line in the mm-hmm. sand and said you know i'm not going to use my science for evil yeah you and know I found, that's i found he, general Derricote. he kind of reminds me of Quee 
from. Um, yeah, yeah, that's well it's said. It's like more of from a... The, the Jedi lo- Academy book. Exactly. Just the love of the science doesn't really care what happens, you know? And, and the difference is obviously Kui, she, she does care eventually when she sees the light, but... Right. Yeah, not, not I mean, there. she's got to be brainwashed first. She's got to have her mind <laughs> yeah. erased. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see General Derricote and, um, and Kui Zooks put in like a, you know, like science fair, see who could win. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. no killing of aliens allowed, no super weapons, and no melting Gamorians. Those are the only two rules in this science fair. Well, um, I, I do really think that it is one of the stronger legend series in terms of developing its villains. Do you think that's right? I think so. And there's so many, so many red herrings, and you don't know who's the villain, and it just drives you crazy. I know one of the the theories that I had as I was going through was thinking maybe the droid for Rogue Squadron, Imtray. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe he was the spy for a while. <laughs> so yeah. it's like yeah. it can throw you off the scent so well that even like this harmless protocol droid, you can think like he's evil. He's the one yeah. who's, you know, you're, you're making a good point. It really can um, cause you to, you know, with the red herrings, to really not know who's in the right. It, it's hard to know who to trust. Exactly. Well, one of the one of the fun activities we did the last time around, this is the last question for tonight, one, one of the, the fun little games we played um, in one of our previous Rogue Squadron episodes was a little bit of fan casting. I, I think I cast Julian Moore as um, Yasani Isard. I don't remember anything else about who we fan cast other than I think Corey. I think we can't fan cast Corey as Corin Horn. Yeah, yeah. Probably. I mean, we had to. All right, that <laughs> one's off limits for tonight. Okay. Um, who else? Any other fan casting good want to do? If these made? Obviously, we're getting a Rogue Squadron movie. You know, we haven't talked about this. Oh, I know. <laughs> getting a Rogue Squadron movie. Um, if if a single character from these books was adapted into this new upcoming slate of films, um, upcoming film is there more than one film? One film has been announced, right? Um, from Patty Jenkins. I'm I'm out of touch with it. I have no idea. I mean, yeah, I've yeah. seen it's it. It's gonna be a Rogue Squadron movie. We don't know anything about it other than <laughs> yeah. it's directed by a woman, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, if one character from these books is going to be adapted into the films, um, who would they be portrayed as? Who would you choose, and who plays them? Okay, so uh, Eddie Murphy is Corin Horn. Let's just do it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely not the best, but <laughs> I'd love to see how that goes down. All right. Roll the credits, Meg. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a bit of a comeback lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or Keanu um, Reeves as somebody, right? Noir Aven. He could do that. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> Noir Aven's got to be funnier than. Can we do Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves as like everybody? And then just. We, he always wigs. gets cast as Legends characters. <laughs> In, you know, fan casting, at least. I've got Noir Aven as like more of a, like a goofy Brit. You know, I'm thinking like uh, Russell Brand. I see that. Like somebody who's kind of got this swagger about them. I could see that. Um, somebody who seems like they're drunk all the time, but like isn't and is actually brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I could see that. Um, okay. Okay. Or, Any, anybody else? Or what's his name? Sock? You want to take a stab at this one, Meg? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Epic Meg moment, everybody. I want to see... Uh, Oh, what's his face? Christopher Walken as Gen- uh, General Derricote. Oh my gosh, I I picture Derricote as much more robust than Christopher Walken. I picture him, I don't know, four hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe because like '90s villains, you just kind of picture as like you want a virus. Um, what was the <laughs> wow. what was the the villain from Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh man, the um, one that like. 
the, the, the one big with mustache the mustache and, and, the, and the, the hover chair. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember. That's how I pictured General Derrico. Oh, okay, I could see that. Featuring the villain from Sonic the Hedgehog as General Derrico. Let's see. I'm, I'm going to Well, let us know, everybody. Who do you fan cast uh, in terms of these Legends characters? Who do you hope to see in the Rogue Squadron movie? It's really exciting for us as uh, Legends fans to have a Rogue Squadron hitting the big screen. What exactly is it going to look like? i got to admit, honestly, Freddie, my hope for this is that it's more of a female-led team. Um, the There are a couple of ladies on the Legends Rogue Squadron team, but I kind of like to see... There was like a, a run of X-Men a few years ago that was just like an all-ladies team. It was uh, Storm and Rogue and Jubilee, and it was great. It was absolutely excellent. I don't remember why, other than like, hey, what if we did this? And I kind of like to see... It's a female-directed movie. I'd kind of like to see like the, the just the ladies' squadron. Um, uh, maybe, I don't know why I think that. So let's not try to psychoanalyze it. Um <laughs> I'd like to see, you know, Corrin Horn gender flipped. Wouldn't that be fun? Ooh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Well, it's been a lot of fun. We ha- can't wait to listen to your picks, and um, hopefully you do a better job than we did with our fan casting. <laughs> with, who'd you say? Christopher Walken. <laughs> Christopher Walken and uh, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves as everyone. Well, uh, coming up next week, it's going to be even wackier. We are talking about a a legendary choose-your-own-adventure. There are, in fact, a number of choose-your-own-adventure books that were written in Legends. One of them was written exclusively in the UK. I've been trying to track this one down. It's one I want the most. not sure I'm going to get it. We've got a couple of others we might work on as well. Who knows? We might even write our own. Um, We are going to be talking about... um, you know, the, the what-ifs, um, you turn to this page and everything falls apart. So it's going to be fun to talk about the history of choose-your-own-adventure books in Legends because, hey, we've got some fun ones that have just recently been published in canon by our good bud, uh, Utini, friend of the show, Kevin Scott. Um, those are a lot of fun as well. So in the meantime, thank you for joining us for Legends Look Back. If you have something that you want to interact with us about, um, something we've messed up, something uh, that you want to have heard on the show. Well, hey, let us know. You can contact us in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. You can email us at legendslookback@utini.com. You can leave a comment on this episode on YouTube right below, or you can find us on Twitter at Legends Look Back, or I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Freddie? At Wake Up Freddie. Or Meg? At Meg Dowell. Excellent. Uh, of course, if you're looking to buy some of these books like Rogue Squadron, uh, or Wedges Gamble, or The Krytos Trap, you can, of course, order these over on utini.com. You can find the Amazon affiliate links. You can find the uh, ThriftBooks affiliate links, the eBay affiliate links. One other fun thing you can do with these books, that's right, you can pick up your copy of Dark Empire, that <laughs> the Legends Epic Collection that uh, Freddy's flashing around over there. It's a little bit pricier than, you know, just the 90s paperback, but uh, totally worth it, absolutely worth it. One thing we didn't say about these, Freddie, totally got to sneak in here in the outro. Uh, Michael Stackpole actually still has going uh, a deal on his website where you can mail him any of his Star Wars books mm. as long as you include return postage, and he will sign them and send them back to you. Yes. There's no additional fee required. He's like, hey, you know, give me some time. I'm not always the most prompt with these things, but you can stick as many as you want. Put them in a box, send them to me. Here's the address. And uh, I've got to admit, I've had an envelope sitting next to this on my table all week. <laughs> and I keep thinking about taking it to the post office. I'm a little nervous. You know, like, how long is it going to be gone from my shelves? I don't, you know, I don't want to lose it. I've had this thing for forever. But uh, hopefully I'll have an update on that within the next uh, couple of months. And we might even have us uh, an autograph to show off, which will be fun. So you can pick up a copy to keep on your shelf, one to send to Mike, and then one, of course, to loan to a friend. 
And you got three. Perfect. It's a trilogy. If, of course, if you want to let us know what you think about these books, you can click on the book on utini.com, and you can even leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Is it better than the Thrawn trilogy? Uh, some hot words from Freddy tonight. <laughs> Controversial take. Let us know what you think. Uh, is he right on this or not? And remember, of course, as we said earlier in the show, now more than ever, let's, let's stay committed to keeping that Utini fan code and being a force for positivity in the fandom. Freddy, it's been a ton of fun. Have a good night, man. May the force be with you. This is a Utini broadcast. 